Mac Power Users, Episode 522, iCloud Family Sharing. Hello and welcome back to Mac Power Users. My name is Stephen Hackett and I am joined as always by my friend and yours, Mr. David Sparks. Hello, Mr. Hackett. How are you today? I am good. How, how, how are you? You doing well? I'm okay. I'm, I have a little cold. I was bragging to someone recently how I hadn't been sick in like a year. And then, oh yeah, that did it. You know, <laughs> that did it, right. So I think my voice is okay. I'm sorry if I sound a little off, but I, I'm good. I'll be hitting that cough button once in a while, but... uh. There you go. I uh, I feel pretty rested and good. You know, I, I've been sleeping more because when you get sick, you give yourself permission to sleep in. Yeah. So that's pretty nice. But uh, I want to talk about the Mac and, and family sharing, man. Yeah, we've got a, a lot of iCloud stuff to, to talk about. But first, we have a situation that we need to address. <laughs> a situation? Yeah, a situation. <laughs> okay. So yeah. it's, it's been known for quite a while that you will ring your bell anytime I mention a support article or knowledge base article. There are many of them this week, but it is unknown when I should ring my bell for something that you say. And we had asked the forum to help us out some suggestions, uh, star Wars, which seems like I'm going to need a new bell. Yeah, that, that would be a good one. Uh, automation of, of some sort. I'm thinking the word automation, like that's the trigger. Yeah, I could see that. Uh, file management on the iPad? No, please, no. Please, no. Not that one. And uh, my suggestion was anytime you mention California. Yeah, I, I'm not sure about that one, though, because I the older I get, the more uh, I like to talk about being from California. I think I'm... See? It's just an example I, I'm of how I'm becoming more into my native state as I get older, so I, I think that would be tedious for the mm. listeners. Okay. My vote's for automation. I think I think that's good. All right. So you mentioned the word automation. I will ring my bell. Let's, I think we should do a test run. We got the K-Base bell, got the automation bell. All right. I think the mistake we made, though, is we have two bells that have the exact same pitch. That's true. We'll the just musician have, in me hates that. Well, the listeners will just have to, to go with us on this journey that the correct person is, is ringing it. Yeah, I may, I may have to look for a different pitch bell. I'm not sure about that yet. But, but for now, we have a plan. That's good. Today we're getting into iCloud family sharing. And this is one of those topics that for a long time, the people had a lot of horror stories, right? This was kind of rough in the beginning. It launched way back in 2014, but honestly, it's come a long way and I'm using it. A lot of people we know are using it. And so we thought it'd be a good time to look at this feature of iCloud and kind of explain what it does, how you get signed up for it, and maybe some of the pros and cons of moving into this new world. Yeah, I was definitely the canary in the coal mine when this first came out. I remember. And, um, it was terrible. It was it was horrible. I, I, I wrote some posts about all the trouble I had, and uh, I think Dr. Drang said, if Sparky is unhappy, then it must really be bad or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, eventually, Apple contacted me, and uh, they, uh, they, they took a look at our log, and they kind of helped us sort some things out. But yeah, it was rough at the beginning, but this is a, something that we've really needed. I mean, we've got these iCloud accounts. It's become increasingly a part of our world. Mm -hmm. And for those of us with families, uh, there's a lot of, of good to be had with a family iCloud account. I gave it such a bad rap at the beginning. We kind of stayed away from it on the show for a while, but then it's it's much better. And it's something I could absolutely recommend now. We, we've been using it happily for years. Mm -hmm. And I know you have too. Yeah, we signed up maybe 
two and a half years ago, three years ago, and it was pretty seamless. And we're going to walk through that process. But before we get into iCloud Family Sharing and what it can offer, I think uh, I think it's important to talk about sort of the old way of of sharing purchases because that's really the heart of iCloud Family Sharing for most people is that if I buy an app, my significant other can can use it on on their phone. And yeah. for a long time, you could do that in sort of a a shady way. And and my, my wife and I did this for years where we shared an Apple ID just for purchases. And then we were signed into our devices with our own personal iCloud account. So we were not sharing contacts and calendars, but we were sharing purchases because iOS and macOS allow you still to be signed into different accounts for iCloud and the app store and the music store and all of that stuff. And they are still separate logins to this day. I think a lot of people did this again. It's a, it's a little sketchy. It's not quite the way it's supposed to work, but a lot of people did it. And a lot of people may still be in that world now. And there is a way forward from that into iCloud family sharing. And that's, that's what my family did. Yeah. I, you know, I question your, your term sketchy though, because I feel like that was kind of the only way to do it back then. You know, this really started in the context of music because I mean, this goes back to the, the iPod really. I mean, when you had the, the iTunes account on Mm -hmm. your Mac and if you bought an album, if you went to the store and bought a physical album, of course you would, everybody in your family would be able to use it. I don't think they ever intended for you to have to buy four copies of the album. <laughs> uh, or maybe they did. I don't know if they did. That wasn't very fair. Uh, so so we all did that. And and that we, we're going to call that the legacy account throughout the show today. Yeah. And that still has, in some respects, a dark cloud over this whole system. And it continues to be a thorn in in my side too, but it also kind of makes sense from where it grew. Um, But eventually Apple did try to put together these iCloud family sharing and the people who were able to start with that have the best world right now. And they're able to, you know, the ability to easily share and everybody have their own accounts, but, Mm -hmm. but they do still accommodate those sharing accounts. That's one of the reasons why I don't think it's that sketchy. I think they kind of understand that's what happens and, They've they've tried to build it into the system. Yeah, I just meant sketchy in the sense that it seems like that wasn't the initial desire. Like I think to be more fair, I would have bought an app and my wife would have bought the app too, right? From a developer perspective, maybe yeah. it's it's a little weird because as we'll talk about, iCloud family sharing developers can opt in or out of. So I, you know, I don't think it's like the worst thing in the world to do this again. We did it for a long, I mean, for a long, long time. And lots of people do It's just now we have a better system, a system that is more designed to support this sort of sharing of purchases between family members. Yeah. And I also think that, um, obviously the types of media that have been purchased through these IDs has changed over the years. I oh, mean, yeah. we, you know, from music to, to movies and, and, uh, video media and then applications and books. And, you know, so because the, the objects you purchased have changed. The model doesn't always fit exactly as I think it was originally intended. It, it's really kind of a hairy mess, you know, when you think about <laughs> it too much. But uh, but we're going to try and make sense of it today and help you get your iCloud family uh, account set up and figure out how to get the most out of it. This episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by our friends over 1Password. Head over to onepassword.com slash MPU in all caps 
to get 20% off your subscription. Uh, we've been talking a lot lately about 1Password for families. I'd also like to talk about 1Password for business. If you are in a workplace and you have other people that work with you, you need to get 1Password set up. It's terrible when you go into an office. I've seen this. I go to attorney's offices. In fact, it happened fairly recently. I think I talked about on one of my podcasts how the, uh, the attorney's secretary had their network password on a sticky pad uh, attached to her her monitor. So I walked out of the conference room and I knew their password for their network. That's not good. Uh, you need to set that up in your office and you can take care of that with a 1Password for Business account. It gives you, just like family sharing, it gives you the ability to have shared vaults that you can have you know, limited data for the employees that need it. They even have a really cool reporting feature now so you can see who's using it. And not to be creepy, but you want to make sure the employees that are signed up for this stuff are using the 1Password account stuff, and they're not just writing passwords on sticky notes because that is really bad. Uh, There's a whole bunch more you can do with 1Password for business, and it's a great solution for protecting your passwords, but at the same time having safe and secure security throughout your system. Uh, Now, to learn more, head over to OnePassword.com, and they've got a whole section there on 1Password for business. It talks through all the various features you get when you sign up for that business account. They they start as low as $7.99. They've got a free 30-day trial. You can see everything you need. You've got dedicated business support. You can secure your team within minutes. They've got it all there. Uh, they're trusted by over 50,000 businesses. Uh, head over to onepassword.com slash MPU in all caps to sign up. Let them know you heard about it here at the Mac Power Users and start protecting your business today with 1Password. We thank 1Password for their support of the Mac Power users for all these years and protecting Stephen and my passwords at the same time. So I thought we could start today by walking through some of the features of iCloud family sharing. It is yeah. a, a umbrella term, just like iCloud itself is our iCloud is a bunch of individual related features. Family sharing is as well. I, I thought it'd be a good place to start because we could talk about what Apple offers its customers who who sign up for this, because once you understand what it can do, it may seem either more or or less attractive. And I'll say off the top, there are going to be a whole bunch of support articles in the show notes. And this is a criticism I have the way Apple's site is set up. There's not like a one like really clear place to read about all of this stuff. There's the the marketing page, but then there's also like a whole bunch of support documents that address different parts of the system. And so we've done our best to find the corresponding pages for the sections that we're talking about. So there's a lot of stuff there, but it kind of follows with our conversation. Yeah, it seems like with a lot of Apple stuff that they have level one explanation on the marketing page and they have level 10 explanation on the K base. Yeah. And there's no level five. And that's one of the reasons the Mac power users exist, frankly, is to try and figure out a little bit deeper without necessarily going into how do we hack this with the terminal. Right. Also, you rang the bell when you said K-Base, so now we're like inside out from... I know, man. I know. (laughs) Uh, So a couple of uh, basics here. Family sharing is limited to to six people. And if you've got more than six people, I think the official answer is you got to split into two families. Like I haven't found a good solution for adding more than six. But... For most people, I think that that should be fine. We'll, we will talk about creating Apple IDs for kids because there's sort of different types of Apple IDs now for children under 13, 
children between 13 and 18, and then adults. Uh, all of the ages we're going to talk about are U.S. specific. Other countries' laws may dictate that you know the age of 13 here is the age of 12 somewhere else. So we're, we're kind of speaking in sort of the U.S. terms as far as the ages. Yeah. One of the the most basic features and like the easiest to understand is shared storage. So everyone gets that very minuscule five gigabytes with your iCloud account. We've complained about that. Every, everyone has. It's a real bummer. So, so in that world, a lot of people are buying additional iCloud storage. And with family sharing, you can combine that. So instead of me paying 99 cents a month for my 50 gigs and my wife spending 99 cents for hers, then if that covers everything we need to do, we can just pay it once and then we share that storage. That does not mean that I see everything that she puts into iCloud. It's still our own data, right? It doesn't share everything. It just takes data out of that that pool of data. I think about it in the same way as maybe a family cell phone service. Hey, you have 10 gigabytes across all of your devices a month. Sort of the same thing. You just have this this bucket of bits and you can put your things into it and pull your things out of it independent of anybody else. Yeah. Agreed. And and I just, you know, we can just insert the discussion we've had a million times about um having to pay for that initial tier. Yeah. You know. Uh-huh. Just just put it in right here. Like it right it's with the family plans fifty gigs for ninety nine cents a month. Uh, I really wish that was just you just got fifty gigs and you didn't pay until you Same. got to two hundred. But the um but we keep we're not going to bang on about that, but that's that's a discussion. Yeah. Um. There is also, I think, a lot of space between two hundred and two terabyte. Yeah. And it right. Seems like they could do something about that because I think for a lot of people, this, this comes down to photo storage, mm-hmm. and two hundred gigabyte is probably not enough, but two terabyte is way too much. Right. And the way the pricing is, there's a gap too. The two hundred gigabytes is two ninety nine a month. The two terabytes is what I pay for is ten dollars a month. Why isn't there a terabyte for five or six dollars? Like it's just right there yeah. in the middle. And I'm sure they have lots of data about the amounts that people sign up for. But for like my family, my wife and I, and then we have one, our oldest son has an Apple ID and the kid's iPad is signed in with his. We're using uh, about 490 gigs worth of stuff. And that means that I'm paying for two terabytes, even though I don't. I don't need that. So I find that a little frustrating because I'd love to pay half what I pay and still have lots of additional space. Any system people will fall sort of in the in-betweens. That's a big jump from 200 to two terabytes. Yeah. And I have a problem at the opposite end because I have two children that have fairly recent iPhones that Mm -hmm. take big pictures and video, and they both are very active in school with video production and whatnot. So they're constantly shooting 4K and photos and we are not at two terabytes yet, but I can see oh, us boy. getting closer to it. And um, I'm going to wonder what's going to happen when I get over two terabytes. I mean, I would like to see, you know, I don't want to break it up and have mm-hmm. the kids have their own accounts. I would like to be able to pay even just a little bit more to get three terabytes or something like that. So sure. uh, there's definitely uh, room in this pricing tier uh, to, you know, deal with people that need more data, people that are more in the middle. And uh, if I had a magic wand, that would be something I would fix. That that would almost be the thing I would fix at Apple right now. If I had one thing to fix, it wouldn't be the iPad file system. It would be the, uh, you know, that free tier mm-hmm. getting bigger and just making it more friendly 
to consumers in terms of what storage they get. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people who are just on individual plans, you know, they're just shooting pictures with one device. You know, the 50 gigs may be enough, but it gets expensive quickly. And again, you may be paying for a lot more than you actually need, which is a bummer. Uh, I, I will give Apple credit. All the reporting around this, if you look in system preferences on the Mac or settings on iOS, you can really see like how much each person is using in your storage, how it's broken down. Like all that's really good. Like you can make informed decisions, but to your point, there should just be more options when it's time to change. And and also to be fair, Apple is really good about value pricing this on a family plan that you get a good deal with this stuff. Many of the things we're going to talk about today, you can buy individually and upping it to a family plan is often very little or no extra money to have it shared with the whole family. There's a lot of incentive to put your family into a family plan. Yeah, so let's keep rolling through the the features of this. Sort of the second biggest one in my mind is shared purchases. Maybe maybe actually more important to some people than the storage. And what this means is that books, media, so TV shows, movies, and apps purchased by one family member can be accessed by all the other family members. So if I go out and I purchase uh, Carrot Weather, which we spoke about a couple episodes ago, it's $4.99 or whatever it is, then my wife can go into the app store and download it on her phone without repaying the $4.99. And it's really, I think it's actually really nicely integrated with the app store. You can go to the purchase tab uh, in the app store or TV or Apple Books, whatever app store you're in, and Select the family member whose collection you want to browse and then just download or play the content that you choose. If you try to download something it just directly, it'll say, hey, this has already been purchased by another family member. Do you want to download it? And you can keep some purchases private by choosing to hide individual items. And so you know, if you bought an app or a piece of media that you don't want your family to, to see, then you can hide it in, again, its corresponding store. There are some uh, some limitations to this, uh, things like in-app purchases and third-party subscriptions. So again, Carrot Weather is a paid app, but it has a in-app purchase. Those are not shared. So if I want Carrot Weather Premium and my wife does too, we're each paying that subscription. And while I know there's a lot of subscription fatigue, I feel like this is a pretty okay balance from the developer perspective because most apps aren't paid up front anymore. They're free with subscription. And if you got six people using one subscription for a weather app, for instance, you know, that data gets expensive quickly on their end. So I feel relatively okay with this balance, even in our current climate where people are sort of feisty about subscriptions. I feel like Apple struck the best deal they could. Steven, um, is there one artist where you would want to hide the fact that you purchased their media <laughs> from the rest of your family. Now, my, my wife knows I know. that I love like, uh, you know, a bunch of music that I shouldn't. So that's fine. I, I can think of one. I feel like I have this weird love of John Denver music, <laughs> which is not like on brand for me at all. <laughs> but I think it's because I grew up, my grandmother used to listen to it all the time. I really don't want my family to know that I've downloaded John Denver music. <laughs> I think I might I might hide that one. That's 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 fair. Of course, now in the world of Apple Music, it, it gets trickier. But you know, yeah, if you yeah, you know exactly. if you um, you know if you download, you know, say that you're uh kind of an a you know 
17 or 18 and you download a dating app, you don't want your parents to know. Yeah. That sort of thing. Um, so that, that's, that's purchases again, works for books, movies, TV shows, apps. They've really fleshed this out across their whole ecosystem of content. Something that needs to get fixed on this though, I feel like is that you're right. It's easy enough to go browse somebody else's purchase history, but what they don't do is show you when you're shopping that someone in your family group has already purchased an app. So you go through this process of, you know, authorizing a purchase and then it tells you at the end, Oh, Hey, wait a second. Somebody else bought this. So you don't have to buy it again. And I always get nervous when I do that. Like I have, um, logic, you know, and, Mm -hmm. and final cut of the purchased. And those are quite expensive. And my kids want to download them to their, you know, to their computers on their accounts. And they always freak out. They're like, dad, this is a $300 purchase. Are you sure? You know, and yeah. then I start to get nervous <laughs> yeah. and it's like, like, you know, playing the slot machine. Is it going to come up? Okay. And and it does every time, but I feel like uh, that interface would be well served. If I mean, if they can track it enough to give me a list of what they bought, can't, can't they just run that list against the, the store when I go in to make a purchase? So I don't have to, mm-hmm. you know, go through that again. Yeah, I think you're right. We've run into that with downloading movies, right? It's like, oh, did we buy this one? And then you're only told after you've basically walked through the whole process. I agree. I would like to see the little download icon they use elsewhere, maybe the little family icon in it. Like this has this is available to you because someone else has already paid for it. And this is an example of something that's been kind of wrong with it since the beginning. And I just don't see that it's ever going to get fixed anytime soon. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm uh, <laughs> kind of worried too. Yeah, but you can share this media, which is great, and um, and I'm with you. I think the uh, the balance between in-app purchases and and apps is is okay. It's going to become more. You're going to feel it more going into the future because uh, more and more apps are going to be subscription based. But you know, what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. So, uh, speaking of subscriptions, uh, the next feature is Apple Music for families. So Apple yeah. Music in and of itself runs you know 9.99 a month if you're a student it's 4.99 a month which is cool. And uh if you have family sharing set up you can enable Apple Music for families it's 14.99 a month again up to 6 people. Everyone has their own libraries so anything you add from Apple Music into your library is just added under your Apple ID. And it's, you know, all completely separate. So my wife can have her library, I can have mine, and there's really no intermixing that. So $14.99 a month for, you know, two people, we both like Apple Music, we would both probably pay for it. So having it combined was a great feature for us. And it's the, basically the, is, this is basically why I signed up for family sharing is when yeah. I, I felt like it was stable. And then this was sort of announced, it's like, okay, this is something that you know, we want to do. And it all feeds into itself. Cause if you have a home pod, the Apple music account, you can just shout out music and it starts playing. Right. I was actually a subscriber to beats music before Apple purchased them because yeah, yeah. I liked their, uh, their model. They had kind of the human created playlists. And for right. someone who likes jazz, that's actually kind of good. And, um, when Apple bought them, I was pleased, but the fifteen, you know, this just varies for everyone. Katie and I used to always argue about this because she didn't, you know, she had a very small music library. But for me, uh, this fourteen ninety nine has been a very good investment. Everybody in my family loves music. We all are constantly listening to new music and sharing it with each other. 
and we listened to a lot of different genres of music. And just recently, I was kind of cataloging my backups, and I and I got the drives that had my old iTunes library on it. Mm-hmm. And I marveled that you know I had spent all that time ripping those discs over the years. And these days, with when a new Mac comes in the house or when I'm setting something up, I don't use any of that music anymore. I just download it again as part of my Apple Music account. I mean, I've got all that stored music I saved, but I don't actually use it under fire anymore because everything in there was in Apple Music plus so much more. And um, yeah, I've been that. That's one thing I think Apple did a really good job with, and. And I know people like Spotify and, and other ones as well, and I'm not going to take that away from you. Some of those are great, but but I think Apple has made a very um, compelling case for their music service. And at 15 bucks a month for your whole family, I think they were the first. They were the first to show up with that price. I think everybody's followed at this point. Mm-hmm. But um, you know that's that's pretty good deal. You know, 15 bucks a month for all the music in the world, basically. Right. Yeah, Spotify is exactly the same deal. Fourteen ninety nine a month for six accounts, so they are comparable to the to the to their competition. And I think that it is, uh, you know, I think Apple Music is sort of a tangent. It's sort of like low key one of the best Apple services they have. Like it has been rock solid for a really long time. The library is incredible. If you like the playlists and the curation, that's all really good. It's just solid all the way around. And I've been, I was very hesitant to to move to music streaming. I was kind of like Katie I was like, I don't explore any music a bunch, but I, I made the change over years ago and I've explored more music because of it. And I've really enjoyed having all of my music available to me on all my devices. That, that is a really good feature for me. I woke up like a couple of weeks ago with a Chuck Mangione song in my head. And you don't even probably know who Chuck Mangione oh, is. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> An artist Googling. with a flugelhorn. But anyway, uh, a song I hadn't heard since like 1980 something. And uh, for you know, for whatever reason, you wake up and you hear this song. I'm like, wow, I, that was a great song. And then like in a few seconds, I had it playing in my HomePod. And That's cool. It just, it is really amazing. I'm just smiling now thinking about it. So yeah, good job, Apple. Um, if you guys like music and you've got a family account, that $15 is a very easy spend. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I would recommend if you're going to do it, though, is spend some time learning the tools. Uh, they, you know, the binary heart system now, you know, they, you can still rate it. It's kind of hard, hard and hard to find, but you can still do some very granular stuff. But if you want to get into Apple Music, kind of go with the the current, and that's kind of the either like it or you don't like it, and and just kind of go with their algorithm for a while, and it does a pretty good job of, of servicing new music for you. They call it the A-list, and they have like one for jazz. They have whatever type of music you like. And if you just go into those, it's always – I always find something new and interesting in those lists that uh, with artists that I've never heard of before. And after having done this for years, it's remarkable to me how many new artists I've discovered through that. Yeah, it's it's fantastic, and it does such a good job of understanding what you like and, again, using the heart system, what you've added to your library to surface stuff that maybe you've never heard but that – you will probably like, like I've expanded my horizons because of it, which is pretty cool. So uh, moving on to some other Apple services, Apple Arcade, Apple News Plus, Apple TV Plus, they all get pulled into family sharing and currently all at the same price. So if you sign up for Apple Arcade, which is $4.99 a month, Apple News Plus, which I'm not sure how many people are doing, <laughs> $9.99 a month, Apple TV Plus, $4.99 a month, but currently free. Um, if you've purchased an Apple device, you get it free for a year. 
though if you pay for those services, everyone in your family group automatically gets them. There's not an additional cost like there is to Apple Music. If yeah. I pay for Apple Arcade, my family group gets it just automatically, which I think is is really cool. The same thing goes for Apple TV channels. Like if you buy HBO through the TV app, everyone gets access to that. Pricing varies on those things. I have not used any of that, but if if you are into that, then this automatically gets kind of swept up into your family sharing automatically. Yeah. And this is what I was talking about earlier. Like you get all this for free. Everybody in the family gets it. Whereas opposed to, you know, you had individual accounts, you'd be paying for Apple Arcade for every person. Yep. So it makes it really hard not to set up a family sharing account if you want to take advantage of any of these services. Now, how many of those are you in on at this point? Are you, I, let me guess, uh, Apple Arcade, no? No. Apple News Plus, no? No. Apple TV Plus, free because you bought something? Uh, Yep. So they're not making much money out of you. Well, I mean, I bought a Mac Pro, so they're fine. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> what about you? Uh, the arcade, yes. I, I enjoy the arcade, and um, and my kids do too. The Apple News, I didn't keep. I could make a case for it, but I just don't have enough time to, to keep up with all those publications. And the mm-hmm. uh, Apple TV Plus I have because I bought an iPhone, but, the, uh, but I don't watch it very much. I don't know where I'm going to be on Apple TV Plus when I have to start paying for it. Yeah, there are a couple of shows that I really enjoyed, but I will probably pay for it to check those shows out and then drop it and then react, you know, kind of come on yeah. and off it like other people do with Netflix and Hulu. Apple yeah. TV Plus will probably land there for me because I don't think they're going to extend the trial to a second year, no matter how many Mac Pros I buy. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. The arcade, I feel like, is the best deal. I think them. so too. There are so many good games in there. And um, in general, like, when we have family over, I put it, a lot of them on the Apple TV as well. And we have a controller and uh, they're all just good kind of clean games. I don't know how else to put it. Um, and they don't bug you for money. So if you've got a kid that keeps wanting, you know, wanting to buy cold coins in the game of choice, it may be cheaper just to get an Apple arcade account and say, okay, you can play anything in the arcade. Yeah. And then you're yeah. in for $5 a month and, and no more. Okay, um, but that you know that comes with the family account, and when you get the family account, you get that stuff for free. Um, if you really like, you know, maybe you've got a you, you and your family enjoy the New Yorker, you know, ten dollars a month, you get it for everybody in the family. So I, like I said, I think this stuff is is there for you if you want it, and unfortunately, you don't have to buy any of it if you don't want it. I do wish they had combined some of this stuff, though. I'm surprised there's not like a pricing plan that puts it all together for you. Yeah. I mean, maybe after the Apple TV plus trial ends, but I'm surprised too. I I really thought they would have a bundle by now. Yeah. There are a couple of sort of miscellaneous iCloud family sharing features. Uh, The first is an automatic shared photo album. So when you set up a family group, a shared album is automatically created in the photos app for everyone's on everyone's devices Anyone can add photos, videos, comments, etc. This is not a shared photo library. It's just a shared album. But this comes with some real limitations, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, um, the problem is the file size. I mean, I, I've got a bunch of these on my phone that I didn't even create. My kids take my phone, and then they make shared albums, and they go find pictures of them when they were little, and they send it to themselves this way. And I always have to tell them, you're not getting a full res image when you do this. I 
On Apple's um, support site, they've got an article that's, and it says, when shared photos taken with standard point-and-shoot cameras, SLR, so your fancy camera, iOS devices, including your iPhone, um, the image is limited to 2,048 pixels along the long edge. So whatever the longest edge of it is, 2,048 pixels. So they're reducing the image in size. Then I got asking myself, okay, well, how big is a 12 megabyte image in pixels? And um, with a little bit of snooping, I found out that in general, they're 4288 by 2848. So you're basically cutting the picture to about a quarter of the size. Yeah, that's a real bummer. Um, when you put it in sharing. So you think that like when we do these family events and we all share in one gallery, that's great that we have the images, but we don't have the full size image. And um, for whatever reason they have, I mean, I feel like there's a couple ways this whole thing falls down. First of all, as Stephen pointed out earlier, you can't share a library. So there is no library sharing. You've got to put together these, these albums if you want to share pictures and then you get a significantly smaller size image when you share it, which is fine to look at on your phone. But if you pick one of these pictures that was shared with you via a shared gallery and you print it out to a five by seven, it's not going to look as good as the original image did. There's a couple ways around it. Um, what we've come to do in our families at the, you know, when we do have a family event, a lot of times we'll pick some of the better pictures and we'll airdrop to each other. Mm-hmm. airdrop gets you full res you can also send it via messages or mail or any, almost any of the third-party picture apps will send a full-size image but i have to you know question or scratch my head a little bit you know if you're gonna have these shared albums i could even understand sharing them at the reduced size but at least give the the user the ability to request a full size if they want yeah i mean it, it is really upsetting that this is how it works and We've been banging our drums about it for a long time. And every year, I think it's the year they're going to fix it. But every year, I'm disappointed. Well, I mean, if you think about it, the image is stored on Apple servers with the user. So I have a picture that I take of me and Steven at WWDC, and it's full-size image. I, we have a shared album, so he sees it, and he wants to print it. You know, Maybe you want to make it really big and put it on your mantle place. Picture yeah, of me, I do. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, but you've got this minimal size, but why wouldn't there be a user interface element where you could say, okay, this is what I'm going to print. Go ahead and give me the full size on this one. Then it could tap into my iCloud storage and give it to you because it has it. It's already shared it to make the shared album. I mean, it seems to me like there's a solution that doesn't kill their servers. I mean, the, the flip side would be said, just make everything full size, but you know, quite often the smaller size is good enough. But um. I don't know. I feel like there's a way to do this without crushing their their storage. Mm-hmm. Same. Yeah. But both of that, you know, that that's kind of the micro problem. The macro problem is we just can't share libraries. So my wife and I have these weird libraries that are like two ships passing in the night. You know, mm-hmm. we've got a bunch of pictures we took when we went to the same thing, but we don't have the same pictures unless we took the time to make a shared album with the reduced size images and it's we've got years of our life now that way and yeah i think a lot of people I, do i uh i would really like to see that problem get solved uh, a couple other miscellaneous features there's uh screen time data can be shared between family members we're gonna talk more about that in a few minutes so we'll come back to that but another one is the find my service which is the new version that merged find my friends and find my iphone so you now get basically 
a couple of tabs in the app. You get people and then devices, which I really like that they're that they're blended. So I can yeah. see like if my wife thinks she left her phone at the restaurant, I can just look at find my on my phone. I don't have to like log in to find my iPhone as her. That dance you used to have to do. Yep. Um now has been resolved, which is super convenient. Yeah, as parents, we've all had to do that with the old app where our kids couldn't find something. So we had to log in as them into the Find My app, and it was a complete pain in the neck. They, mm-hmm. They've made this a lot better. I have bemoaned the loss of the the widget on the Mac, but yes. they do have an app. Um, and every time this comes up, I mention it again, but if you have this service turned on, um, I think it's a really good idea to have it turned on um, and go ahead and feel free to use the notifications and some of the automation stuff they put in there. Like, um, Oh, I did it. I did. did. Um, but like, for instance, you can have it like when your spouse is leaving work, have it give you a notification so you can have dinner on the table. That's one of the things I do on the nights I cook dinner. Um, but the, it's really, really convenient and I always just made it a condition with my kids. You know, I pay the phone bill and it's like, I just get to see where you are. You know, that's, <laughs> that's all there is to it. And my kids, one's in college and they still don't really push back on it at all because I don't use it like a creep. But if I ever do need to see where they are, I can see where they are. And it's, it's very convenient. Yeah, it, it's really convenient. And, and now with iOS 13, they are alerted if you set notification about their location, which I think is yeah. a good privacy trade-off even within a family family yeah yeah you also get a family calendar family reminders list so all can be opted out of um the shared reminders list i think is is useful like i don't use reminders as my go-to task manager but my wife and i have now several shared lists between us for like groceries or home projects because it syncs and it's on our phones and it works really well with siri uh, it's it's a good it's a good app for the way that we want to use it. Yeah, man, it's so hard with a shared calendar if your family doesn't get get it, you know, and they start putting a bunch of events on there that are not shared family events. It's taken That's years rough. of my life, David, years of my life to get that right in my in my household. <laughs> it's um, still it's still a battle, man. It's still yeah. a battle. Well, you know, you're a, you're a crazy person when it comes to your calendars. So yeah, I uh, am. Of of course, all purchases are made on a central debit or credit card, and there's some protection around that, which we'll talk about in a minute with kids. But it it makes it nice, right? We've all had the experience where someone's debit card gets replaced, and you're like, you for like a month, you figure out whose debit card was used for what. This is one less thing you have to worry about. Family sharing is just on one central card, uh, so the billing is all in one place. You can see it all in one statement. This episode of Mac Power Users is brought to you by the Omni Group. Today, I want to talk about OmniFocus for the web. Of course, a bunch of us are using iPhones and iPads, but a lot of people are stuck using that PC at work. And if you rely on OmniFocus for your tasks, then there's that disconnect there, right? That your tasks are sort of isolated on your iOS devices. Uh, The Omni Group has solved this with OmniFocus for the web. And my favorite thing about this is that it's actually really full featured. It looks awesome, like as you would expect anything from the Omni Group to to look. But the features that they've brought to the web cover everyone's needs. So, of course, you have inbox and projects, but you get your tags and your notes. You get the flagged perspective, which I know is so important to how so many people work. You get your forecast, which I absolutely love, uh, view options, and of course, it all syncs securely with 
the Omni Group's wonderful back end. Uh, the Omni Group is also really good about pricing options. They know that some people have purchased OmniFocus, you know, maybe in the past, or maybe you are subscribing to it. And if you've purchased it, you can just add on the web for $4.99 a month. So you don't have to go out and switch to the subscription and then add this on. They're respectful of how you want to purchase and use their tools, which I, the flexibility just blows me away. They're so good at it. And if you are an OmniFocus user, this is definitely something to look at. So you have your tasks on any Mac or PC. You can just log on online and check them out. Again, if you've purchased OmniFocus, it's just $4.99 a month. Uh, you can learn more on their website. Um, and you want to head over to uh, their website with this very special URL. That is omnigroup.com slash powerusers. Uh, go to go check out OmniFocus. Go check it out for the web and all the other great tools that the Omni Group makes. They're serious about productivity on the Mac, iPhone, iPad, and beyond. Once again, that's OmniGroup.com slash PowerUsers. All right, so we've been having a lot of t- fun talking about what you can share. What can't you share? Yeah, so th- there are some things that are exempt from this system. Uh, we mentioned app in-app subscriptions, like third-party yeah. subscriptions, in-app purchases, all of that stuff. Uh, again, that's kind of what the world is moving to. So there, there's a you know an argument that maybe this will be less useful in the future, but uh, that's that's the big one for most people. Uh, of course, if you are using Apple Music, you do need to upgrade to the family version. You can't share an individual or student Apple Music subscription. And you can't use this to download things that are no longer on the App Store or the iTunes Store. So you may have come across this where an app you used is pulled. You can't use family sharing to get around that. If someone else has it, you can't go to their history and download it. If it's removed from the store, uh, it's been removed. Uh, and the same thing for those hidden items we, we talked about. So if you know if David has music he's ashamed of or an app he's ashamed of and he hides it, uh, his family can't see that if if they want to buy that app then they're gonna have to buy it gotta buy john denver twice that's right which is the whole uh, i guess your whole game plan right <laughs> there we go <laughs> um and some developers can opt out of family sharing it is an option for developers there's uh, a little badge on the app store that says if, if an app is compatible with family sharing i tried looking like i looked through my purchases and i really couldn't find I don't think I found a single one that was opted out of family sharing, but it is an option. Very few. Yeah, Yeah. very few. Very few. And, you know, for me, I think all these limitations make sense. I can see Apple's perspective. I can see the developer perspective. And I think I'm pretty okay with all of them. Yeah, Yeah, I I am too. I do think that as we move, as the subscription world takes over, the, you know, the shared purchase history isn't going to be as valuable as it Mm -hmm. was at the beginning. But, you know, we'll just have to see how it all evolves. Yeah. And I do think, like, some of these developers could come up with a subscription model that could work for multiple users. So, I mean, they're, they're, it's not entirely a closed door. Yeah, and I could see Apple maybe in the future doing, like, what they do with Apple Music. So say that say that Carrot Weather is $4.99 a month, then maybe if you want the family version, maybe there's an option for the developer to make it $6.99. So I'm not paying yeah. twice. I'm paying, like, $1.5. Yeah, that seems like a reasonable trade-off, and maybe Apple could open that door and and leave it for developers to walk through. But I could see that as a potential solution for apps that you want to use with a, with a in-app subscription, 
uh, that's fair to everybody. Yeah. Uh, the real um, thorn in my side that I mentioned earlier in the show really is, though, these legacy shared accounts. Mm-hmm. And this is a situation that really just punishes the oldest Apple fans. Yeah. <laughs> because, you know, those of us that started with iTunes accounts when we just had a single device and that was the road to madness. And since that we were buying music from Apple and then we had a shared account, maybe, you know, your significant other got one. And then you build this corpus of purchased media that you don't want to part with, but at the same time, it's not really yours. It's a shared account. And currently, and, and for a long time now, Apple has had a thing where you can, when you set up your account, you can say, for my calendar and email and everything, use my iCloud account. But for all of my iTunes and media purchases and whatnot, um, use this legacy shared account that we've had. And and so the person who really gets punished for this is the founder of the family sharing account. Mm-hmm. And it would probably be me and Steven in, in our cases, because you've got this separate account. And and it, it really is kind of a mess. Like the um I know in my case, one of the reasons why I didn't just like give up on it and just start buying everything on my own account is because we watched a lot of this media on the Apple TV. And up until just this past September, switching accounts on the Apple TV was very difficult. Yep. Um, and so, it, you know, if I'd started purchasing the media on my account, then the family wouldn't have been, you know, it was just a mess, right? So we we kept this legacy account. And now it's got a lot of media in it that we purchased over the years. and and apps as well. The apps don't hurt as much, but the media does, you know, like all of the various star Wars and whatever, you know, and the kids stuff that they bought over the years. Uh, it, it really is kind of a mess. So we've got for four people, we have five accounts and, uh, and I really don't like that. And it is kind of confusing. And, and I, um, and I, I appreciate that Apple has made a, a affordances to allow us to continue to use that media we bought before, they really made a system that was compelling to have individual accounts for individual users, but we still have this, this problem kind of dragging along with us. I think that's well said. It seems like it, it's just like, it just gets worse the more I use it, but trying to stop using it is quite difficult. I, I was thinking about now with the, with the Apple TV, the ability to switch accounts on the Apple TV, maybe it's time for me to just give up on that, but we'll see. We'll see. Um, I I think the solution for it in the long run is to just say, you know, you can take one of these legacy accounts. In fact, the one I have is attached to an email that I don't even have anymore, but I can't <laughs> seem to get Apple to switch it for me. Mm. You could combine them into one account one time. Like, what if I could take all these movie purchases and just drop them into my iCloud account? But then, you know, I'm sure there are lawyers and contracts that prohibit that from happening, but... Well, it sure would be nice if we could do that once and just be done with that stuff. Yeah. I mean, I've got the same thing where I'm using that legacy account for my purchases and they're all shared, but I'd like to just use one Apple ID for everything like my wife gets to do. So yeah, exactly. Um, it's a, it's a little bit tricky. And even though it does sort of punish, like you said, the the founder or the family, especially if you have this legacy account, it, it all works, right? Like it's not yeah. busted. It all does what it's supposed to do, but it's, it could be a little bit cleaner. Yeah, and and I don't envy the programmers that have to work around that too. No, I mean, to make the apps work with two different Apple IDs, and 
ah, it's just something I know. It's just something that just itches at me every time I deal with it, which is quite often. I will say, though, in recent years, it hasn't been nearly the problem it was when they first started implementing this system, where like you would get continued and repeated requests for authorizations. I mean, for years, that was a very common problem. When you had a legacy account, it would keep asking you for the password over and over again. And I haven't had to do that to me in a long time. So I, I think they've kind of got the bugs ironed out of that system, but I still don't like it. So do we want to talk a little bit about how to get all this set up? Yeah, totally. Okay. So again, it's not that hard though, right? No, it's it's really not. And there's there's an article, support article in the uh, in the show notes for how to set this up. But it's it's actually pretty straightforward. You can do it from iPhone, iPad, Mac. Um, you can only be in one family at a time, so just keep that in mind. You can't be like if. You can't be with your spouse and kids and be in someone else's. Like if you want a parent in there, you've got to bring them into yours. And really critically, every it's really designed for everyone to have their own Apple ID. And we'll talk about kids' IDs in a second, but it's really important that if you do this, you move into a world where everyone has their own. You know, I've got friends who maybe they share an Apple ID just for everything, right? Sync and messages and everything. And uh, that's not how this is designed. It's really designed for separate Apple IDs that kind of get tied together through this, this system. And so you need to make hey, can sure. I, can I interrupt there for one yeah. second though? Um, two points. First of all, when you say started to describe why you would need two separate sets of families, I started to get really nervous for a minute, mm. but you got out of that. Well, thank you. But the, the other thing is the point you make, and we get the emails all the time. I'm sure we'll see, get some emails after the show publishes and forum posts. Uh, a lot of times folks will write and say, you know what, you know, my wife and I or my husband and I just share one ID and we've done it for years and it's no problem. So, you know, we don't need any of this fancy stuff. Um, how do you respond to that? I mean, if th- if that's how you want to work, then you actually don't need family sharing for any of this, right? Because you're just using Tapple, you're just one person, right? But if you want to move to this world, so say that the husband and wife use one account and they want to add a kid to the thing then you've got to make sure that you kind of know what you're doing going into this. It would still work, but Apple's recommendation is that everyone has their own. But hey, you do you. If you're sharing that Apple ID and it works, then there's no. this doesn't really compel you to change that. Uh, but I would argue you're you're missing out on a lot yeah. um, if you do that because you don't have your own email, you don't have your own calendar, you don't have your own contacts database. And, and I, I do think that that, I guess it depends on you know, what's going on in your life, but I think that can be an issue. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to share all that. And my wife doesn't want to see all my stuff, <laughs> you yeah. know, but um, anyways, so ideally everyone has their own Apple ID. And again, you can, if you're starting from zero, so it's just you and a spouse, you have separate Apple IDs. You go into settings slash iCloud on iOS or the system preference pane on Mac OS. And you uh, add start adding people so you you give it their apple id invites are sent via iMessage or you can just hand them your device and have them log in with their apple id and password it doesn't log you into their id it's just tell it's just authenticating that hey this person is knowingly entering your family group and you can do this anytime so if you have a kid come along or you need to add somebody you can just go back in and add people Uh, later on. You don't have to do it all on day one. So if you've got, you know, a kid with a device and your spouse doesn't 
you know, doesn't need this or you don't add them yet. You could just be you and your kid and then you could add your spouse later or vice versa, however, however it happens in your life. This is a flexible system. And if you're invited, you basically just open the link, confirm your Apple ID and password. And then once you have those people in, in the family sharing settings, you can basically turn on or off features as you need them. And so if you don't need the, uh, you know, if you, if you don't need a, a individual component of this, you can simply go in there and turn and turn it off. So, uh, for instance, looking at my family, we have everything on except, um, Apple arcade and Apple news because we don't subscribe to those and actually have the screen time one, uh, turned off, you know, our, the way that I have my kids iPad set up, I'm using screen time locally on that, but I don't necessarily want to share the like be able to do that for my device. I found that was kind of buggy, honestly, when it first sold out. So I've just left the screen time off, but everything else is on and you can go in here and you can see what, um, you know, what the individual settings are. So if I click on the iCloud storage, I can see the storage plan and how much space we're using, et cetera. So it's all kind of managed from this central point. If for some reason you need to leave a family group, it's, also pretty straightforward. You can basically, if you're the regular member, you can go into the family sharing on your device and hit leave. And then you're no longer in the family. Um, or you can, uh, you can remove people if you're the admin, but you lose access to any shared content, right? Any shared purchases, the Apple music account, all that stuff will basically be turned off for you if you leave. Yeah. So when your kids, Hopefully at some day, leave the nest and go start their own families. Their purchases are leaving with them. It's like the the rite of passage for a kid growing up in an Apple household, right? Like there, there you go. <laughs> You're I'll be so now. sad. <laughs> I'll be so sad to see all that, um, you know, Hannah Montana music leave my oh, library. That's a real bummer. Yeah. Um, there are a, a couple of just things to be aware of. So the first is. If your Apple ID is the one being used to share purchases and you don't want to be in the family anymore, then basically you, you remove, you basically turn off the whole family account all at once and, and all the ties between the people are dissolved. And after you leave the family group, you can start your own family or, or, you know, create a new group or whatever you need to do, but you can only be in one at a time. So you've got to leave the one you're in, destroy the one you're in, and then you can, uh, you can move on. And kids with Apple IDs, if they're under 13, Apple doesn't allow you to remove a child of that age. And so if you add a child that young to the family sharing group, they're there to stay until they're 13. I assume this is a side effect of some law that I haven't read, but this is a little awkward, I think. And because people are, are kind of stuck. You can disband and rebuild the entire family. That's a lot of uh, hoops to jump through. I call this the John Voorhees rule. It is both. I think both he and Serenity Caldwell in the past created test kids under thirteen to like work out this feature, and now they're stuck with them in their family sharing for thirteen years, (laughs) (laughs) which is incredible. (laughs) Yeah, or they could nuke their entire family sharing account and start over. Sure, but that's not necessarily what you want to do. No, I mean, that's that's a bunch of work. And so really the joining and leaving and the setting up, it's all really straightforward. I think the UI is a little bit better on iOS. In Catalina, they did a lot to this system preference pane. 
I think it's a little bit easier to manage this, you know, on an iPhone or iPad. When I set it up, I did it on my iPad and it went really smoothly. And the way I did it, I just did it with my wife one night. The kids went to bed and I said, hey, come sit with me in my office. We're going to do all of this, you know, while everyone's here. And and it really walks you through the process. It holds your hand through it in a way that uh, makes it pretty simple. In the, in the past, as horror stories, a lot of them were around this, where it wasn't clear what you were doing. The language is confusing in places. But they've really done a good job at making it really clear what you're doing by tapping these buttons. Yep. Agreed. This episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by Hover. Head over to hover.com slash MPU. Make a name for yourself and get 10% off any domain. We're going to take a quick break to talk about Hover. It's one of our longest running sponsors. When you have that one big idea, where do you go? For a lot of people, Hover is that big leap because your business starts with a domain. That's true for me personally. When I started thinking about um, you know, going out on my own as a lawyer, one of the first things I did was buy a domain. and It was so empowering. I went to Hover.com uh, where they have over 300 domain extensions to choose from. No matter what you want to build, there's a domain name waiting for it. And they have excellent technical support to answer any question you may have. And they're dedicated to getting you online, not upselling you. Hover has free who is privacy, so the bad guys don't get your information, a very clean UX UI, uh, monthly sales on popular top-level domains, and they don't make it a game where you feel like they're trying to trick you into buying extra stuff. They make it really easy to get exactly what you need at a price that you can afford. It's easy to see why Hover is the popular choice for people starting businesses. Like I was saying earlier, I uh, I set up my my domain for my legal practice before I even had one, before I left, and it felt really great setting that up. I've had it for many years now, and and you know I just I just loved that Hover was there for me when I needed it, and they were also there for me with my kids when my kids were very young. I didn't do it when they were born because I wasn't smart enough to do this yet, but when they were very young, I went on Hover and I bought domains for their names. So I now have their names with .coms for each one of them. So when they get out in the world and they want to set up their internet presence, we're all set for them. And all that was done through Hover, very easy to do and easy to manage. One of the things I like about it is the management pane. I can go in there at any time to renew domains. In fact, I just renewed the MacPowerUsers.com so through Hover. So I guess you guys are stuck with us a little bit longer. <laughs> and uh, you know, they just make it super easy. Whether you want to buy it for one year or five years, they've, they've got ways to do that. You can buy your domain and start using it today. Go to Hover.com slash MPU and get 10% discount on all new purchases. Once again, hover.com slash MPU. Get your domain name. Let them know you heard about it here at the Mac Power Users. And our thanks to Hover for their support of this show and RelayFM. So let's get into Apple IDs and kids. And I want to say off the top, this is a huge topic. Parental controls on macOS and iOS, it's like a whole world unto themselves. It's not really what this topic is. I think it's a topic we may do in the future. Let us know if that's something that you'd be interested in. But yeah. um, I'm just going to kind of like leave a link in the show notes and let people go, go explore that. Because um, I really want to talk about the Apple ID system and how it works if a kid is under 13. Again, at least in the U.S., other countries, the, the age may be different. Yeah, I think this is one of the big benefits of family sharing. We've, you know, we've talked about kind of the practical media sharing, but – you also, as a parent of children, uh, you want some ability to have control without being over, you know, an overbearing parent. Sure. And I think 
the Apple system does a pretty good job of walking that line. Um, if the child's under 13, they can't create the ID on their own, but uh, a family organizer can provide verified parental consent and create an Apple ID on the child's behalf. And right. I guess that's how you did it for your kids, right? Yeah. So basically in that family sharing setting area, you go to add a person, you say it's a child, you say, yes, I'm the parent. I have permission to give consent. And uh, a, a, a note in Apple's details is like, don't like put the kid's actual age in there because as they grow older and you want to hand the Apple ID over to them, then they need to be the right age uh, when you do that. So, so make sure that's all done correctly. And again, you can do it later. So if kids come along later, you can just add them as they come. Uh, it's pretty pretty straightforward to add them. But you as the parent or the guardian, that's your responsibility. Yeah. When they first started doing in-app purchases in the App Store, there was an issue where parents were getting thousands of dollars in in-app purchase bills at the end of the month <laughs> yeah. because the kids found some game. And man, I, I don't know if I would have still been alive if I did that to my parents, but you know. <laughs> They, uh, they had some problems. So Apple put in this system about ask to buy, which is a great idea on a family sharing plan. Do, do you have that turned on with your kids? I absolutely do. So this works where a kid, they want to purchase something or a free download. A request pops up on mine and my wife's devices. You can set who they go to. We have both of them. And we, as the parents have to approve of that purchase or download. So it not only protects our debit card from getting run up, but yeah. it it also is a way that we can understand what our kids are doing on that iPad. Now, of course, you can just hide the app store entirely through the parental controls that we're not talking about today. But if you want it visible and you want them to be able to do this, uh, the ask to buy feature is is really great. And you can set it up, like I said, where the family organizer has to do it or other trusted adults who are over 18 uh, with their date on their Apple ID, uh, they can approve it as well. And it's pretty straightforward. The kid hits the button, they get a pop-up saying, you know, you have to ask permission for this. And then the parents get a notification on all of their devices saying, hey, Timmy is trying to download Carrot Weather. Is that something that you want to let Timmy do? You approve it, and then their device downloads it for them. So it's it's pretty seamless and and pretty quick. Yeah, I'm just imagining like Stephen Hackett's parents. You know, if time were shifted, where all parents are worried about, you know, their kids want to get access to, you know, so many coins on this game, where little Stephen just wants access to all radar data in Carrot Weather. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I want the most expensive ask, Carrot though. Weather. Still have to ask. Yep. Um, I think this is great. It is a, an excellent feature. If um, And it has some of the other kind of family sharing stuff built in. So if they ask to download a previous purchase again, um, installs an update, that sort of thing, it all just happens. And if you decline the request or you miss the notification, the notification basically expires after 24 hours. So the child will have to make the request again so you're not going to be incessantly bothered by your kid trying to download carrot weather yeah and we uh i don't use this personally anymore but when i was using it it worked flawless we never had a situation where it didn't work uh, occasionally i would have an upset child because i didn't respond fast enough mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Usually for us, it's the notification and about three seconds later, a kid's like, Hey, let me download this. I need it for school. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Do they really though? Well, you know, really it depends school? on what it is, but um, <laughs> it's, it's a good feature. And uh, uh, sort of the, the other part of this, and we, we talked about a second ago is, is screen time that you can review and manage screen time settings for devices signed in with a, a kid's Apple ID you can share reports with everyone. Um, I've this is the only thing in this, and maybe it's better now because I haven't tried it in iOS 13. But when I tried this about a year ago under iOS 12, the screen time sharing stuff seemed uh, pretty busted, and so I haven't used it since. Maybe it's better now, but it's not something that uh, they were using. Again, I'm using the parental controls and screen time just locally on that iPad. And if my kids had multiple devices, I'd probably turn to this so I could manage it centrally. But for me, I don't really need this, so it's off. But it's it can be a really nice feature to see um, how other people in your family group are using their devices over time. Yeah, and this is the newest feature and clearly the one that I think needs the most work. Uh, something I could note, if your child just recently turned 18, as I've had happen, you no longer have access to their screen time. Yeah. Uh, again, you don't want to lie about your kid's age <laughs> because these things yeah. are, are timed to these things. And I think, you know, that's a great decision. What they yeah, want to no, do. I, mean, I hadn't looked in long. I just, just realized that. Okay. Well, yeah. I guess. Oh yeah. I guess or I don't need just, to know now. Yeah. Or she just <laughs> threw her phone in the river. One of the two things. <laughs> yeah. Open, find my, see what the phone is. Yeah. Um. So that's sort of the Apple ID and kid thing. And again, in the old system, there really wasn't a great way if you wanted your kid to have their own Apple ID. You had to set the age to be higher than 13 or you had to go through all these hoops. And now it really incentivizes people to use family sharing because it's all built in and supported. Yeah. There's a lot to love about it. There's still a few things you want to change, though. There is. Uh, we will get to that after this break. This episode of Mac Power Users is brought to you by Health IQ. At some point over the last couple of years, you've probably created or maintained a healthy habit. Things like getting enough sleep, working out on a regular basis, trying to eat the right foods, trying to stop eating the wrong foods, which are different and different things that are not equally difficult. Uh, if you want to live that healthy lifestyle, you could be re rewarded for your hard work with more affordable rates on your life insurance. You save up to like 41%, which is a whole bunch of money. Just take the Health IQ quiz, and they walk you through the entire process of applying. Their policy is underwritten by one of their top insurance partners, and there will always be a real person at the other end of the phone who you can talk to, you can ask questions of when making these decisions. The savings are exclusive to Health IQ. You won't find them anywhere else, but you have to qualify to get that special rate. Uh, for me, this has been all about diet and exercise, trying to get some things in my health sort of back on track. and. When you do that, you think about your health a lot. And for me, it's something that is just in the forefront of my mind every day now. And with Health IQ, you can be rewarded for that sort of thing. So to qualify, go to healthiq.com slash MPU to take the proprietary Health IQ quiz. Depending on your score, as well as other qualifying factors, you can save up to 41% on your life insurance premiums compared to other providers. Again, that's healthiq.com slash MPU to let them know that we sent you and to start the process with the Health IQ quiz. 
There's no commitment, and you'll learn a lot more about potential opportunities to be rewarded for your commitment to living healthy. Once again, that's healthiq.com slash MPU. Our thanks to HealthIQ for their support of the Mac Power users and all of Relay FM. I feel like I have some guilt about family sharing because I still hear from listeners who tell me, oh, yeah, I haven't used that ever since you wrote about how terrible it was. And that was like, <laughs> that was a long time ago. It was like over yeah. five years ago. And and it really has come a long way. I, I feel like the family sharing is something I could actively endorse right now. That doesn't mean it's perfect. And, um, you know, I'd like to talk about some of the ways that, that we'd personally like to see Apple kind of improve on it. The biggest single one for me has to be shared photo libraries. You said it perfectly. You and your spouse have photo libraries that overlap in weird ways and that are like ships passing in the night. And the way I deal with this is if we're at a family event, like a kid's birthday party, and I take a bunch of pictures, then I just airdrop. Like I take all my pictures, airdrop them to Mary, pick up her phone, airdrop them the one she took back to me, but try not to like overlap where I'm, I'm airdropping the photo back to myself. It is, it is a mess. And I don't know how you completely solve it in the UI. Like maybe your spouse's library shows up as like a, a top level item in photos and then you can go into it and then you see all there. Like there's gotta be some, some way to do this, but Google photos has solved this issue. If you use their service, uh, other photo apps when they were around did this, Apple is late to the game and it is just a, as a real point of frustration, like on a pretty regular basis for me. Yeah. Well, I want to talk about that a little bit in terms of how do you solve it? Like, you know, the, the flip side of the problem is, you know, your wife and you don't share libraries and sometimes that's for good reason. Sure. You know, my, my wife will take a lot of pictures of merchandise that she may want to buy someday or something. I I don't want to see that in my library. So (laughs) If you, if Apple called you up and said, Stephen, we listen to MPU, fix it for us. You know, mm-hmm. how, what would you want? I think I would do a couple of things. One, I would have my wife's photo library be a separate UI item in the photos app. So if I launch photos, I'm in my library and I have to choose to go into hers. So it could show up in that source list on the left-hand sidebar on the Mac or at the top level in iOS. I don't want shared photo library to mean that we use the same library. What I want it to mean is that I can view her library and add things to mine or automatically share things, maybe like on a per album or event basis. I don't want it to be one intermixed photo library for the same thing you said, right? Like I take a bunch of screenshots of OS 10 and she doesn't want them all in her photo library. And you know, if you're purchasing a gift and you take a picture of something, there's lots of things you could spoil um, by sharing a, a photo library. And so I would want it to be a separate entity that I could go into and I could pull items from uh, either automatically or manually. I, I think one way I would like to see it done is, you know how you've got the little heart button? It's a very simple user interaction on the photos. You tap it, you you favorite the photo, or mm-hmm. you tap it to unfavorite. What if they just had the little iCloud family icon on that that shows up on every photo? And um, you can just tap that or maybe even put it on albums and photos where anytime you tap that, it automatically puts it into a shared pool Mm -hmm. where everybody can access the full size image. I mean, so you have to, 
So the default would be that it doesn't go into the shared album, which I think is probably the right default, but you can very easily add it to the shared album without any like fancy, like junk. What I don't think we should have is logging into two different libraries or something. Mm-hmm. It needs to be something that's seamless. Yeah, I can see that too. And that, that I would imagine would be actually an easier place to get to from where we are today, right? Just build on the shared album already. And and you've already got the image, like I said earlier, you've got the image stored in iCloud full mm-hmm. size. So it's just like it's a it's a one or a zero. Is this part of that that family group or not? And then maybe in the library you've got that shared family album, but you can always you can always add those pictures to different albums manually yourself if yeah. you want. I I don't know. I, I feel like it's a solvable problem mm-hmm. either way. And um like you said, Google solved it, Apple needs to solve it every yeah. year. We head up to San Jose, and I think maybe this will be the year we get family <laughs> right. shared photo albums. I think don't you guys have that as like a standing pick over yeah. on you know your podcast and like you know what's going to happen this year? Mm-hmm. Yeah, our connected predictions. I feel like it comes up every year. Yeah, I think either way they do it, either my way of sharing the whole library somehow or your way of sharing albums. I think full size images have to be at the heart of it. Honestly, yeah. if they just fixed shared albums and just made it full-size images, I wouldn't complain about this near as much because I could just create shared albums for stuff. But uh, I don't want to downsize, you know, the pictures I took at my kid's birthday party to just to share yeah. them. And yeah. so I rely on AirDrop for this and and it gets messy in a hurry. However they do it, though, I think privacy and security have to be at the heart of it. So you really understand if I check this box – you know, other people in my family can have access to my photos. I think one, it would need to be on an individual basis. It should not just be off or on to the whole family. I think yeah. it should be that I want my spouse to see my photo library or whatever mechanism they use, but not my kids. Or I want huh. my kids to see it, but not my spouse. I think that is critical for people feeling safe in this environment. See, that that makes it infinitely harder too yeah oh yeah I mean, yeah like, i'm like just the solution like i had didn't solve that problem because <laughs> i would have a one button that shares it with everybody yeah i mean it could be you know that when you do it there's a screen that pops up and you get to check the boxes of who gets access to it i mean i, I you know i don't have to write any code or push any pixels so i'm just you know waving yeah. my hands around in the sky but i think that that is a real key feature and i think it fits in with the way apple thinks about security and privacy the other thing that I would want it to do is I, I would want whatever they do not to take up additional iCloud space. So yeah. you mentioned all these are on their servers. Just give me access to the same image. Don't dub, don't ding me a second time for that five megabyte image. I don't that that feels like a real pipe dream, but I feel like I don't want to be held accountable for sharing one photo in two libraries. Like there's got to be some way to to do that. The way it works in like uh, Amazon S3, for instance, which is an online storage thing, is every file is hashed. And so if you upload a PDF to S3 and then I upload it to S3, Amazon doesn't hold on to two copies of that. It's one copy yeah. that we both have access to. And that feels like a solution. But again, I'm not developing any of this. So, like, you know, <laughs> it's just features that I want. But I, I wouldn't want to run up my iCloud space by turning this on. If done right, it would actually probably save space on iCloud. Yeah. And just as an example, we had a family event recently, and I always take, like, if people stand in front of me for me to take their picture, I routinely take, like, 10 pictures. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, a couple with the, you know, a couple 
with portrait mode, a couple without, and you know, just I just kept pushing the button. They don't know that I'm pushing that often. And my wife asked me to airdrop her a bunch of the pictures, and I hadn't had a chance to go through and pick the one from a bunch of those 10 shots. And I didn't want to be that guy, but I was thinking as I was sending her these, you know, 50 pictures of which I normally would keep five. I was thinking, well, my cloud's going to get hit with 50 pictures twice now, you know. Yep. <laughs> because I didn't, you know, and that's like, because the current system is when you do airdrop it, even though you get the full size image over and you're in family sharing, then she's going to save those 50 pictures. And so am I. So we just doubled our storage and it adds up very quickly. It does. And so those are all things that they have to deal with, right? Maybe this is why we haven't seen it yet because this is really complicated. But when I think about families sharing in Apple's media ecosystem, so much of it is so good. And this is just like a giant crater in the middle of it. Um, it, isn't it crazy though how many people use airdrop now it is so like common yeah. it's it's not a power user thing at all anymore no i see it out in the world right like just if yeah. i go out to dinner with friends and we're taking pictures or it's like, oh i need that contact like people just know what airdrop is and that's great because it's a great feature and it's really robust but yeah i've noticed that too that it is just out in the world now yeah my mother-in-law we we're at the event and after we finished even my mother-in-law who is not a young lady. She's telling me airdrop. Come on, Sparky, give me the airdrop. Yeah. <laughs> or, or when we um, went on vacation, we jumped out of an airplane. They took some video of us and um, they said, well, we can give you a disc, but if you have an iPhone, we'll just airdrop it to you. Mm -hmm. You know, And it's just like, it just solves so many problems. I, I really uh, am glad to see that, that that's another technology that didn't start out super great, but it's become very stable when, and everybody uses it now. Yep. But that doesn't solve the problem we're talking about. So you're not off the hook, Apple. <laughs> Come on. Yeah, the, the other big problem I have is the one I talked earlier about this whole legacy platform thing. I mm -hmm. think it's more of a lawyer problem than it is a technology problem. I'm, I'm guessing that they're just the licenses they have with all these content companies doesn't let them uh, combine the media into a single account. But man, I wish it would. Yep. Uh, it does feel like it's just paperwork. You know, they've done so much of the Apple ID system over the years. I feel like this is just a thing that, you know, maybe they're bound to some sort of purchasing agreement they signed a billion years ago, but it's, it's fine. You got to bet a thousand dollars 10 years from now. Are you still going to have those two IDs or are you going to have it to one? <laughs> 10 years is a long time. Yeah. That's why I'm asking. I have faith that in 10 years they can fix it. So I'm betting one pro display stand <laughs> that'll be fixed within a decade. <laughs> I, I'm not sure, man. I'm not sure. <laughs> it has been a long time. I mean, I don't know. I think I'm more likely just to give up and start over again within <laughs> the next 10 years than them fixing it. I, I mean, you know, we're six years into family sharing at this point. So yeah. five and a half. Hmm. I guess one other thing I'd add to it is my kids are a little older. When I, we started talking about family sharing, my kids were in prime time for this stuff. But having, you know, seeing them through their tweener and teen years, yeah. uh, the family sharing was a, a really nice thing that we had. And once they got, you know, the the kinks worked out to it, now my kids are a little older. We have a family with, with a senior in high school and college kids and about to be two college kids. We still use family sharing. We like the family, share, the shared calendar. They, you know, it's fine. I don't mind, you know, subsidizing their iTunes purchases at this point in their lives and, it's it's working for us beyond 18. And uh, if you have older kids, this still is, is not something you want to ignore. It doesn't just have to be kids, right? You can add siblings. Yeah. Like yeah. I tried really hard 
to understand what Apple defines as a family because Spotify and others have actually gotten heat in the past for like everyone has to be at the same address or you have to have this relationship or that relationship. And it may be buried in the support document somewhere. If it is, please let us know because we'll correct it. But best I can tell, and I've read way too much about this over the last week and a half, Apple doesn't define this. And so if I wanted to bring my brother and his wife in or a cousin, like it doesn't seem like Apple has any notions on how you do this. And so I've even thought about bringing my parents onto it, right? Like my mom. I, I think that's ideal, yeah. especially if they don't want to pay the dollar a month for their right. photo storage. And like my mom is, and she also pays for Apple music, I think, or at least I set her up with a trial. Like, so I've even thought about in prepping this, this episode that I have all the storage space. Maybe I open my family up to my parents so they can just, I know they're backed up. I know where they are. I know where their devices are. Like that feels like something that I'm probably going to do as sort of follow up to this episode. Yeah. Well, let us know how it goes. And yeah, if we'll anybody do. out there has any inf- further information on this, but I don't think Apple really cares. I don't think they do either. I mean, I looked, I read about, I mean, all these links in the show notes, I read all of them and I can't find how Apple defines a family. Yeah. All right. Family sharing. It's a pretty good thing in 2020. It is. I don't think there's anything to be afraid of here. I think it is uh, a really solid system and there's lots of perks and very few downsides. Yeah. All right. We are the Mac Power users. Uh, thanks to our sponsors today, 1Password, Omni Group, Hover, and Health IQ. We've got the forums over at talk.macpowerusers.com. You can sound off about your family sharing experiences. Let us know. And um, we'll see you next week. <laughs>